This is the Podium Finish Live from Austin, Texas, and various points across the country. Here's your host, Rob Tiamson. And a good, good day to everyone out there listening to us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcasting platform you prefer. Welcome to TPF Live, the world's fastest hour of racing talk. I'm your host, Rob Tiamson, joined alongside Nathan Solomon, my friend and co-host. And we are here to talk all about the things that happened at Dover as much as possible for some persons in this room and also look ahead to Kansas. I say some persons in this room because unfortunately, Mother Nature was kind of a dolt to a lot of folks that could not cover the race on Monday. So we'll let that individual talk a little bit more about the grievances about Mother Nature and having races too early in the Northeast. But um, lots happened at the Monster Mile, as always. Um, but I would say in this case that Miles the Monster was not the cause of all the bane that we saw on Monday afternoon. But we'll get to all of that a little bit later. We have a lot of great stories, lots of great conversations to be had here. And of course, you know what TPF Live delivers over other podcasts. Yes, folks, the hot seat. And for this week, it's a hot seat first. Now, when I say first, it means many different things. But for the two primary reasons, I'll say that first, meaning that we're bringing back our very first driver guest to TPF Live, episode number 68. Yes, episode number 68, folks. We're getting old. Um, Eric Jones is back in the hot seat, and he is joined with his crew chief, Dave Ellens. And Nathan Solomon was kind enough to do the interview for us last weekend at Dover Motor Speedway. Well, I'll let him explain more about that in a bit, but I'm pretty excited just because we've never had an interview format like this on TPF Live. So it's going to be pretty cool, pretty exciting, and I think it's going to set the precedence that I would look for on TPF Live or the podiumfinish.net for that matter. But Legacy Legacy Motor Club, for that matter, they are quite busy on the headlines, as you'll hear a little bit later on, Um, because if you've been hiding under a rock, well, let me tell you, folks, they're switching manufacturers for next season from Chevrolet to Toyota in 2024. So I'm sure you folks that are part of TPF Nation have different opinions about that. But we'll hear about Nathan's thoughts on that in a bit. But right now, let's actually bring in Nathan because I know we're rearing to talk about everything that he got to see at Dover and got to cover from home about Dover and looking ahead to Kansas for the Advent Health 400. So, Nathan, how are you doing? I hope you have dried off since that soggy weekend at Dover. Yeah, we're, we're still trying to dry off a little bit. It was quite wet. Um, it probably started raining, I think, Friday about, shoot, probably about 1030 on Friday. And I feel like from that time until when I left the track at probably 630, it must have rained like an inch and a half. Like that place was underwater. I was completely soaked. Um, there was a period of time where I was in the Xfinity garage for about half an hour, basically under without cover. Um, yeah, I looked like I just jumped out into a swimming pool. So <laughs> it was, it was really wet. Um, fortunately the weather mainly cooperated on Saturday. Some heavy mists, uh, ended 
well, led to the cancellation of qualifying, um, which is a bummer, but got to see the cup cars and track a little bit with practice, and then the Xfinity race, which obviously had a lot of storylines from that one with, with Ryan Truex winning his first ever NASCAR race, and then uh, obviously Sunday, nothing happened because it rained, so uh, I had to head home early, unfortunately, couldn't stay for the cup race, which is too bad because I think Monday's cup race in terms of race quality was probably one of the best, if not the best race of the season. Um, I think the first time in a while where it feels like the storylines from that race were about what actually happened on the track versus penalties or some behavioral issue or, or something. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad it put on a couple of good races for sure. It's too bad also that it's the second year in a row that the Cup Series race has gotten pushed back to Monday at Dover, essentially. I mean, it ran like 70 laps last year before it got moved. Um, so it's hard to build momentum when, you know, it rains every time we go to Dover. So, um, and I think they said something like it was like the, the third third time, excluding the COVID years. Um, so when it was like full capacity, full attendance, it was the third time in the last four non-COVID races that a Dover race has gotten pushed to Monday. So... Unfortunate there. Um, good crowd, though. Uh, and my only complaint is maybe they shouldn't schedule Dover for end of April. But I'll get off that soapbox. Uh, I definitely have a lot of co- good content from Dover that I'm excited to get on the website and on this podcast here over the next few weeks. I always say you're going to be carrying the podcast on that side of things for maybe the next month, month and a half, because you got a lot of work done in that Xfinity garage and cup garage area. So good job on that, Nathan. And uh, I'm glad that you are back afloat and drying up from uh, from what was seeming like a swampy or uh, river-filled Dover Motor Speedway. Yes, the skies opened up a little bit too much in the first state, so hopefully the sun shines over the first state next year so that people can race for first on Sunday, not Monday. Anyways, folks, we have a lot to get to on this program, and because we're we're so excited for this hot seat interview with Eric Jones and his crew chief, Dave Ellens, why don't we get moving along here and bring in our sponsor, SpoilerDieCast.com, and hear why you should shop there after this podcast is done. Hey, racing fans. Are you in the hunt for the latest diecast cars from Lionel Racing or F1 or IndyCar diecasts? Well, look no further. If you head to SpoilerDieCast.com, you'll find all of the latest and greatest diecast cars and get free shipping and 5% off of your orders if you use promo code TPF by spending $20 or more on your items. Head over to SpoilerDieCast.com and let Evan and his team know that you want the best diecast cards around. And if you use promo code TPF, you'll be in the winner circle. It doesn't get better than that. So just head on over to SpoilerDieCast.com and make your latest purchases today. Clarify, when I say this podcast is done, I don't mean we're done. I mean, you know, when the podcast concludes and you tune in for next week. Uh, but yes, please shop on spoilerdiecast.com. You will get a great savings and free shipping with promo code TPF. And there's a lot of great diecast cars that are arriving seemingly each week. It seems like um, that the Lionel folks are unpacking from their ships and then sending out to official distributors just like spoilerdiecast.com. So be sure to support a small business like them, support Evan and his team, and get yourself some diecast cars, folks. You won't regret it. Speaking of you won't regret it, you won't regret listening to Podium Perspectives coming up right now. (laughs) 
I promise we're not a legacy motor club or legacy MC podcast. Cause if we were, we would just talk about Richard Petty, maybe have Richard Petty be a, a hot seat guest, which would be pretty sick, I would say. But uh, Legacy Motorsport or Legacy Motor Club was in the news this past week because of the fact that they are switching manufacturers or OEMs from Chevrolet to Toyota next season. Now, as of press time, we don't know what the status of GMS Racing's truck program will be in terms of the OEM side of things. But we know that Maury Gallagher, when I was in that press conference earlier this week, he made it clear that he's sick and tired of running towards the back of the field. They're not. That's not the reason why they're in cup racing. Uh, as he explained, they want to do everything they can to position uh, Legacy MC as a, a front-running contender. And to say the least, Noah Gregson and uh, Eric Jones are pretty excited about joining or rejoining the, the Toyota fold because, as you may recall, folks, they were Toyota prospect drivers back in the day. When I say back in the day, I mean like 2010s. But it's exciting. Yes, it does mean Richard Petty's team in some form or fashion has been a different manufacturer, it seems, throughout the years. But I know there's a lot of folks out there, Nathan, who are a little bit unhappy because uh, they feel it's a betrayal by Jimmy Johnson to go from Chevrolet to, to Toyota next season. But as you have explained all week, it's not just a betrayal. It's it's doing the right business decision, wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think in terms of in a sense, the announcement is a surprise, but kind of when you think about it in a little bit deeper detail, it's not really a surprise because when it comes to manufacturer support, uh, Legacy Motor Club is very low on Chevrolet's priority list. Like the, the teams that you think, um, well, the teams that are regularly running to the front are the the teams that are getting the support from Chevrolet. So Hendrick Motorsports, obviously, uh, Trackhouse Racing, obviously, RCR. Um, I know I'm forgetting one in there as well. Um, I don't know why this is slipping my... Yeah, I said Trackhouse. I think I'm missing one more too. But like, um, anyway, my point is that the top Chevrolet teams are the ones that are getting the most manufacturer support. And Legacy Motor Club, they're not they're not getting the manufacturer support compared to those top teams. So by switching over to Toyota, where there's now only going to be three different organizations getting resources from Toyota, and I believe it was David Wilson that promised that all three Toyota teams will be receiving the same amount of support. So all eight cars, all three organizations, obviously four cars for JGR, two for um, two for twenty three eleven, and then two now for um legacy mc so yeah it, ma it makes a lot of sense for them in my opinion i get why i guess some traditionalists could be frustrated or upset by it because of obviously richard petty's ties and even maury gallagher for that matter i mean he's always mainly been a chevrolet guy at least to my knowledge for, for when he's been in the sport so um but yeah obviously i mean their two drivers have toyota ties both noah gregson and uh, eric jones both broke into nascar under trd obviously jones made it to cup with trd uh gregson um, did at least trucks with Toyota. I don't remember if he ever did any Xfinity with Toyota. I don't think he did, but, um, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense in my opinion. Um, I think that move is going to immediately elevate the competition of that race team. I think that they go, I mean, they're, they're really 
probably running 2025th on a good day right now. And I think that by moving to Toyota, they have the potential to regularly run 10th to 15th. So obviously, and obviously have chances to win races because if they're getting the same amount of support that 2311 is getting, well, they've shown that both of their cars can go into victory lane. So um, yeah, I think the move makes makes a ton of sense for them. It's definitely going to take a little bit of getting used to, um, but I think it'll be pretty seamless to see Gregson and, and, uh, and Jones back in Toyotas. But yeah, definitely weird that Jimmy Johnson may be getting behind the wheel of a Toyota here in the near future uh, in his part-time schedule and that Richard Petty is going to be owning a Toyota too. Um, but it, it just makes too much sense for them, in my opinion, to, to not do it. Um, and if, if you're, you know, those, those team owners at ownership group, I, I certainly can't blame them for not want, run, wanting to run in, in the back of the pack anymore because um, I think that they've learned that their support level from Chevrolet would just would not be increasing enough to where they can be competitive. So uh, credit to them, obviously, like I said, business decision, uh, and it should be something that really elevates a team. Yes, because there's, a, there's just so many Chevrolet teams in the Cup Series, you know, of course, you have Hendrick, you have JTG, Cog, uh, Live Fast Motorsports, RCR, Spire, and Trackhouse. So that's a lot of miles to feed if you're the Chevrolet camp. And despite the fact that, you know, Live Legacy Motor Club has that history with, with Richard Petty and Jimmy Johnson, um, you know, they're going to cater to the top three of Hendrick, RCR, and and. Uh, you know, track house right now. So they're not exactly going to say, Hey, like you see, you need some of the, some of this. So, yeah, you know, I was listening to Sirius XM earlier this week, the morning drive show with Mike Bagley and Pete Pistoni. I was just surprised that a lot of fans were just, you know, quite frankly, a little pissed off about the whole thing. And I'm just like, um, if your team is doing everything you can to try to win, I do it. I mean, case in point, the recently eliminated Boston Bruins. Yes, it kind of hurts me to talk about uh, hockey right now, but I was a little hesitant about us getting Dmitry Orlov on the team. But my goodness, once we got him, it was like we got this big physical presence that we had lacked after the retirement and, and basically, you know, Zidane Chara's departure from the Boston Bruins and his retirement, of course, too. So, you know, as a sports fan, I get where you're a little upset that, oh, you know, I'm a Chevrolet guy or GM and I don't like Toyota. You should be excited about this. It's okay to be a little upset because that's good. You know, in this day and age with NASCAR, we should be seeing passion about the OEMs. It's not quite the same as it was in the, you know, pre-90s when, you know, folks like my dad or, you know, Nathan's parents <laughs> older than our parents, basically, we're watching NASCAR and I'm sure we're all about the cars as much as they were about the personalities behind the wheel. So it's good for Legacy Motor Club. I think it is fair to gauge what Nathan said, you know, that they're probably going to be a 10th to 15th place team next season. And uh, David Wilson was pretty adamant about the fact that he wants to make sure that, you know, all the Toyota teams are getting their fair share of the peak of the pie. Um, not that, you know, Joe Gibbs is getting the nice piece of it in the legacy motor club is like, I joined you guys and that's it. We're getting that. So 2024 is going to be pretty fun. And that's just the first silly season move folks. There's going to be a lot more coming up and I'm pretty sure there's some contracts that are up in the air that, you know, Nathan and I, we love talking about silly season on this show. Um, that's something we're going to be looking forward to next season because there's a lot of drivers who will probably be on the prowl uh, for our team next year because, uh, yeah, there's a lot of drivers 
that are going to be up for grabs. One of them will probably find out uh, later this month about whether they're going to cup. I won't say who, but Nathan and I have a pretty good idea of who that individual is. And let's just say um, it's going to be very, very good. Okay. I don't want to spoil too much about that. Anyways, let's talk about NASCAR still, of course, because earlier this week as well, NASCAR, well, not NASCAR themselves, but Adam Stern reported on, on his Twitter account that the NASCAR is considering a midsummer race package once the new TV deal is in effect. When I say midsummer package, you folks may remember back, I would say, 2007 to about 2014, when, you know, the races from about Pocono back then to about Chicago land in the summer, oh, New Hampshire in the summertime would be on TNT. Well, it turns out that, you know, streaming platforms like Amazon, Apple TV Plus, they're looking to get involved in NASCAR. Now, I have my thoughts on this, but of course, I'm sure Nathan does too, from a very different generational standpoint, because I know folks like Nathan probably do a lot of streaming and, you know, are trying to cable cut a bit, you know. So, you know, Nathan, I know a lot of our team has different opinions about this when we discuss this as a team, but what's your take about this possibility once we get to the new TV contract? Yeah, I mean, I have mixed opinions about it because I guess to a degree, I'm kind of a traditionalist when it comes to that stuff. Like, I'd rather have cable. Um, and like at home, I like my cable box and I like, you know, punching in the channel. And, you know, I, I like the, the the whole regular, you know, traditional shebang, right? I, you know, I, I use like a Roku here at school and everything because that, that's where I'm still at, of course, still at St. Bonaventure for at least one more week. But, um, yeah, I mean, it just it, it's another thing that people are going to have to pay for, right? I mean, I think a lot of the people that watch NASCAR are still traditionalists, right? Like I think or older people maybe that are less likely to want to cut the cord. So it's going to be another expense that they're going to have to take care of to be able to to watch the race. I mean, I don't know how much Prime is like if if let's say it's on Amazon Prime, I don't know how much it is per month. But like I'm kind of used to it now because I'm a Yankee fan, right? And there's usually one game a week that's on Amazon Prime instead of the Yes Network, the regular network. So, I mean, for me, I'm it's not going to affect me any. I think that it could affect some of the older fans in, in terms of their likeliness to want to um, – like get prime if they don't have it already. But at the same time, I think some of that is also to attract younger fans and thinking, okay, if we put it on the streaming service, maybe more people are going to be a little bit more inclined to watch it. So, um, I also think that what NASCAR can do and what I think they might do is they might make more of their races available concurrently on streaming platforms. So even some of the Fox and NBC races, like I think there's no reason in my opinion that, um, all of the, all, like all the NBC races or any of the races on the NBC USA side of the season, all of those should be available on Peacock. Like there, it, there's no reason why it shouldn't be at this point, right? So even if you don't have a cable package, you can still just get Peacock for five bucks a month or ten bucks a month or whatever it is and watch the race. Or um, I don't know if Fox really has an alternative like that yet, but I, I feel like that'd be probably on the horizon for them. Maybe maybe they do. I think they have like maybe Fox Now or something. I don't really know, but um, I think that they need to make all races available in some capacity versus streaming i don't know how it's gonna exactly pan out if they do a handful of those races that are exclusively streaming but i think it could potentially um help reach some new fans and, and maybe help grow a little bit of a younger fan base so we'll see like i said i mean i think 
for people like you and me, it's not going to like affect us. Uh, no matter where the race is, we're going to watch it. Uh, and I think also people, I guess, of more our generation are, are more likely to like want to get some of those streaming platforms and already have those those subscriptions versus maybe somebody in their 60s or 70s. So we'll see. There's pros and cons to it. But I think that if uh, negotiated properly, uh, it could be good for the sport. I think we have to kind of move towards that platform, but not as a primary means, because of course, like you've mentioned, Nathan, NASCAR is one of the few sports where you still have the, you know, um, the baby boomer generation that's still watching generation X. That's kind of, I wouldn't say split in the middle, but you probably have a lot of folks in that spectrum that are still traditional still like their cable. And then you get towards the millennials like me, you know, we're probably, a little bit okay about being less analog and more digital in our ways, but I'm not opposed to it um, as much as I love cable. And honestly, the, the good about this may be, like you said, having more side-by-side opportunities. I don't mean like passing opportunities, but having less, you know, if we have a commercial break, you can still see what's going on on the racetrack. Now, granted, I have subscriptions to ESPN+. Plus. I have Amazon Plus, uh, Pride, um, Amazon Prime rather, and I've also got Hulu and all those different platforms. Because let's face it, I don't watch a lot of TV unless it's sports or things to do with the weather. Uh, so, really, I think it's a cool idea if we if it's done properly and with you know some incentives for the fans to know that they have a good commentating team. Because let's face it, you need to have good, you know, personalities that are going to be in front of the camera when they're shown and certainly behind the mic uh, to call these events. So it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see. Will it be like a hodgepodge between Fox and NBC crews? Does this mean we might see like some folks that are kind of holdovers from the old days doing races? You know, that's. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch for sure. Um, maybe some folks from these, the sim racing community may get the chance to call races. Who, who knows? Um, it's still a ways to go, folks, but certainly it's a storyline to keep your eye on or eyes on just because uh, the TV deal could shake up the landscape of NASCAR beyond just what channel is a race going to be on. Now, one of the things that certainly was on TV this past week and certainly caught my attention was another Ross Chastain moment. Yes, you've heard on TPF Live and other platforms and even in race telecast, the whole word chastained. You got Chastain like you got served or punked. That old MTV show. Well, anyways, during the early moments of stage one, Ross Chastain kind of gave a little help to Brendan Poole going into turn one and Poole unfortunately lost control of his car and got into the path of Kyle Larson and both drivers wrecked their machines in turn one while Chastain drove on to finish in second. And Brendan Poole infamously said that maybe he, you know, Ross Chastain needs to get his butt whooped. Whereas Kyle Larson obviously says he's not going to be the kind that's physically rooting over Ross Chastain, but uh, during a little video session at the Arrow McLaren shop in Indianapolis, 
he did have a little fun at Ross's expense, kind of trolling him with a watermelon behind him during a video clip at the shop. But it's another week, another race, Nathan, where Ross Chastain is unfortunately entangled in another incident. And I know our team had a lot of different opinions about this. I, I you know, I myself compared him to a, a more aggressive Ernie Irvin um, that, you know, talented, sometimes driving a little bit beyond, you know, what the car should be able to do. And in some cases, he's still driving like he needs to prove something where he's already got. I'm not saying he's guaranteed all the time, but he's pretty set and in good shape with track house racing. So what will it take for him to balance his aggression to be a consistent front runner without all of these mishaps or just some of these inexcusable actions on the track? Yeah, well, actually, first, um, we have some news out of track house racing. I don't know if, it, if you saw it hit your inbox as we're recording this, but uh, as of 8.30 this evening, uh, track house has announced that both Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez will be doing the Cars Tour race at North Wilkesboro. Hmm. Oh, yeah, so there it is right there. I, I thought I'd add that in there as uh, we're on that note. But, yeah, I mean... I, I don't know. I mean, Ross is kind of just Ross. I mean, he's done a lot of this now over the last year and a half in particular and has really sh- kind of shown no signs of stopping it. Um, I mean, he's out there to win races. I totally get it. And he said, I'm not out here to make friends. I'm out here to get trophies and, you know, try and win championships. So I don't think his aggression level is ever going to really get backed off. And I think to a degree, Look, it's good for the sport. I think we need dri- more drivers like that that just kind of don't care and are, in, in a good way, don't care um, and are not afraid to go out and race hard and race aggressive and, and be like that. But it doesn't need to be wrecking people every week to do it. Like, I mean, there, there's other ways to be aggressive and I guess, in a sense, piss people off and like and make storylines on the track without sending cars you know, shooting into the wall and wrecking each other. Like, that's not right. Like, I think, look, the Talladega situation, like, last weekend with Noah Gregson, I think it's a little bit different. Um, I mean, like, it's two laps to go. It's a green-white checkered. The win, the win is on the line. It's right there. And he made an aggressive move. And is it, I mean, is it his fault that the wreck happened? Yes, I think it is. But at the same time, if you get a run like that, I think any driver would probably pursue that too. Again, because a win is on the line, you know? I mean, there's, there's a lot at stake there. So I'm not going to say fault him for that. But, like, the Dover thing was just completely uncalled for. Um, whether... Brendan Poole checked up or didn't check up. Um, I mean, Ross Chastain was still there. I mean, he, he completely got into the back of him um, and then took out, you know, Kyle Larson at his expense too. I mean, I know obviously his – I'm sure – I believe him. I mean, I believe the fact that Ross wasn't trying to wreck either of them, but it's just that he's having a lot of trouble being able to kind of scale back that aggression and, and tone it back. So even like I said, even if you're bumping into somebody, you're not wrecking them. So, um, yeah, difficult situation there. Tough for Brennan Poole. I mean, it's been a couple of years since he had a cup opportunity, and I he was running decently well. I don't remember exactly where he was in the field, but um, he was running decently well, at least for for that equipment. Um, ruined his day. Um, I don't remember Larson's exact position, but he was, I think, running. I, I assume he was running pretty well. Um, yeah. So uh, obviously. Obviously tough for both sides. I know Kyle's had a lot of bad luck this year too. So um, he's fortunately, I guess he has two wins he can fall back on. So, I mean, I guess in the grand scheme of things, it's it's 
not the end of the world, but um, but yeah, you just you don't want to see that though out of, out of Ross. I don't know how he's gonna be able to stop it because he's shown no signs of stopping it before. So um, all these all all these other drivers say that they're gonna do something about it, that they're gonna get him back or they're gonna you know go get him or something. But uh, I think Ross Chastain lives pretty rent free in, ev- in everybody else's brains out on the racetrack because so far there has been very little attempt to get him back. Like I think the closest was de- what Denny did at Pocono last year. And I think more than anything, he just ran him out of room and Ross didn't lift in those closing laps. And then obviously Phoenix this year. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really, there's no fixing Ross Chastain. I'm sorry. Like there's like, I he's going to be, he's always going to be aggressive. It's not like he's going to be super, super aggressive now. And then it's just going to stop doing that. Like it's, this is Ross Chastain. This is the world we live in. Uh, and as long as he's in the cup series and in, at least in competitive equipment, which at this rate, he will be now. Um, it, that's just Ross. That's true. I mean, he has no compunctions about his driving style. It's it's what got him to be in the Cup Series with a top team like Trackhouse Racing. Um, and it's a different generation than it was back in the 90s because Renardi Urban found himself driving for Morgan McClure Racing, which I guess you could say was like a Trackhouse-type team in the 90s. Yes, he was really talented. He had a great car. He won the Daytona 500 in 1991, but he also got into quite a few drivers in 1991. And in fact, got a, he triggered a wreck that uh, broke Kyle Petty's leg at Talladega in the spring race at, at that racetrack. So, you know, Ernie Irvin spoke to his fellow drivers during the driver's meeting ahead of the uh, the summer race. Yes, the summer race in Talladega, which, yes, for your younger folks, you can't imagine how hot and humid that race had to be. But anyways, he was basically taking fault for what happened. He was going to try to make amends for it and do a better job because he didn't, you know, he wanted to be people's friends or like you pointed out the difference between Ernie and, and Ross, Nathan, that you said that Ross is not really looking to make friends in the garage area, which, you know, if you're not an athlete, you may not understand that, that perspective. It just sounds pretty silly. And quite honestly, a little reckless, but when you're an athlete and you're trying to hone your craft, I suppose you don't want to be friends with anybody because that would kind of weaken that competitiveness, that that spirit in you. Um, But there has to be a point where Ross has to own up to it. Um, It kind of reminds me of a situation in 2004 when Daryl Waltrip kind of noticed that Tony Stewart was in the in the midst of many incidents, uh, you know, in the, the springtime. You know, crashing out Rusty Wallace, crashing out Jeff Gordon. Um, and to paraphrase what Daryl Waltrip said, that and it actually pissed off Tony to a point. He said something like, you know, these last few weeks, you've been the common denominator. We're just calling it like we're seeing it. And Tony said, Daryl's memory kind of gets a little screwed up sometimes. I guess that he forgets that with all the rules changes that he wants NASCAR to make, he forgets that if they changed the rules and took away the championships provisionally, he wouldn't have been able to race the last two years, which is a pretty mean remark. But um, in this case, Ross is the kind who will apologize, but still do it. And I kind of like what Larry McReynolds said, that it's like if you're a parent and your kid keeps saying, I'm sorry, and they still do what they're doing, even though you told them not to do it. You don't want to hear sorry anymore. You actually want to see that action happen. Or at this point, it doesn't matter. And that I'm, we're starting to get to that point where I don't think it's going to matter. 
which is kind of scary to think because if this was the old days of NASCAR, I'm not so sure that uh, what Ross is doing would be totally okay. But, you know, that's his approach and that's why he's in cup. And that's why he's with track house racing. But it, yes, it, it's pretty cool to see that they'll be racing uh, Ross and Daniel that in this case, racing in the late model event, the cars race at North Wilkesboro, which I am so excited that we're going to do a podcast about that, which is the weekend after I graduate from St. Bonaventure. So cannot wait for that. That's going to be, <laughs> it's a, that's a cool moment to even think that we're talking about North Wilkesboro, and, but I'm not talking about it as a kid. I'm talking about it as a journal, as a journalist and as a podcast host. So that's, yeah, can't wait for that. Well, folks, we're going to head to our final topic for putting perspectives. You know what time it is when we talk about that last topic. It's about winning time. So in this case, we know for a fact that we're heading out to the 1.5 mile Kansas Speedway, which is in the Kansas City area of Kansas City, Kansas, not Kansas City, Missouri, or Missouri, like you folks in the Midwest, Midwest will say. So we have the Heart of America 200, which is set to get the green flag shortly after 8 p.m. East Coast time on Saturday, May 6th. And that should be a pretty good race on its own. But of course, we have Kyle Busch entered into that race and we know how that's going to turn out. So we're not going to spoil that. But I'll let Nathan, of course, give his picks here very shortly. And then, of course, on Sunday, it's the big dance. It's the Advent 400, Advent Health 400. And it's the, unfortunately the last time that Kurt Busch won a cup race, at least as of now, if he, pending if he comes back or not, which we'll see, but it was a memorable duel between himself and Kyle Larson for the victory. And until, you know, Kurt Busch prevailed with a little bit of veterans zeal and patience over Kyle Larson's aggression, uh, it was a pretty fun race on its own. And that race, of course, is set to get the green flag shortly after 3 p.m. East Coast time. We'll see if maybe NASCAR is going to watch the radar and the forecast just because like Dover, Mother Nature is a pain in the you-know-what, and it's going to be an interesting situation. The defending race winners, by the way, for this weekend for the truck race is Zane Smith, and on the cup side, like I said, Kurt Busch. So, Nathan, who are your picks for this weekend's races? Yeah, so on the truck side, I will go with the guy that won last spring's truck race at Kansas, and it'll be Zane Smith. A little bit of a quieter start for him here in 2023. Um, second in point still. Um, not quite as dominant of a start as he was off to last year, but still a very good start. Uh, I think he goes and gets win number two, I think it is, right? Yeah. Yes. Or three. I don't know. Or three. three. I, 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 you want to go that's right. Uh, one, one at Coda, one at Daytona this year again. So th- win number three. I still think it's been a quieter start for him. I like just kind of going on the, under the radar and because tied with Jesse's leading points still. Uh, but we'll go Zane Smith. We'll, we'll keep on the trend of him winning the exact same races as he did in 2022. Um, and then on the cup side, I will go with Joey Logano. Uh, I feel like he's always really good at Kansas. He won there. Shoot, he won there a couple years ago recently. So um, he's, he's won there a few other times in his career. So I will go with Joey Logano to win on the cup side. Those are, I, man, that's those are solid picks right there because Logano is certainly one of the best when it comes to Kansas Speedway. And then the cup said, of course, he's won there three times, 2014, 2015. And of course, that pandemic showdown race between himself and Kevin Harvick. That was a 
honestly for, for that season and that <laughs> that year one of the best races i saw of the season so yeah i like that and zane smith and honestly i'm not trying to be agreeing with you but i think for the truck race i am gonna actually agree with you zane smith is my pick as well for the truck race despite the fact that kyle bush is entered into the race i think zane would very much like to get another win here because he just wants to be able to pad some points for the playoffs and we know just how great those playoff points come into, into, into play or a factor, if you will, especially if you need a mulligan during the postseason, which I would imagine you will with a tough truck playoff schedule like we're seeing this coming summer because, goodness gracious, it's certainly interesting to see that when we get to the playoffs, we're going to have such diverse tracks. I think Lucas Oil Raceway is part of that. And I know Milwaukee Mile is part of that. And then you go to Kansas. Um, oh, man, you're a truck team. You better hold on to your seatbelts just for a little bit because those are some really tough tracks when we get to the summer months with the heat and just, just those tracks. So I'll go with Zane Smith for my truck pick. I like the idea of going with Logano for Sunday's race. For me, I, I've been bupkiss about my picks in the Cup Series. So listen, I, I'm going to try to do something a little bit more traditional versus trying to call a aggressive shot in this case, if you will. Like, I'm not trying to please the people when I say this pick. I think Chase Elliott is probably the guy to go with on Sunday. You know, Chase is certainly, you know, still finding his way. And honestly, this is not the same kind of NASCAR Cup Series racing where you have to be in the top 20 to make the playoffs or whatever it is back then. You just have to win a race. And pretty much if you're, you know, you won a race and you've gotten enough playoff points and all that, you're in. Well, what better way for Chase Elliott to kind of give himself some breathing room than to get a victory on Sunday? So I'll go with him. And Chase is a past winner at Kansas, as you know, folks, because he won in the fall 2018 race. That was a pretty memorable duel, I'll say, in that one, too. I feel like Kansas is one of the most underrated racetracks in the whole NASCAR circuit. So we'll see how that goes. And, hey, maybe one of us is right. Maybe one of us is wrong. And maybe both of us are wrong. Who knows? I do know for a fact that we have photographer Christopher Vargas who will be there. So that's going to be exciting and fun. How about you folks? Are you going to be at the racetrack? Let us know. And do you agree with our picks? Tweet to us because we want to hear from you. Nathan's Twitter handle is nsolly02. I'm at Rob T. Ogson, and of course, our main Twitter handle is at the podium finish. So get with us if you make the right winning picks or you have a suggested topic for future podium perspectives. I'll personally send you a diecast car from spoilerdiecast.com, and I'll make sure that you uh, feel appreciated and heard out, folks. So with that, that was this week's edition of Podium Perspectives, segueing over to In the Hot Seat. And for the first of several weeks in a row, I actually get to take a little chill here because that means Nathan is going to introduce us to this week's Hot Seat interview. 
Yeah, so this is a fun one. Um, so I spoke with Eric Jones and Dave Ellens last week at Dover Motor Speedway last Friday in the monsoon. Uh, don't worry, we were inside, so that helped. But uh, but yeah, I spoke with them, not just each of them individually, but uh, the three of us together were able to chat for about 15 minutes. So I think it was really cool um, just to kind of hear Eric and, and Dave just kind of feed off of each other and, and talk about their start to the season. Uh, obviously, this was recorded before... The uh, OEM news came out, um, so this is before it uh, was it was announced that they were switching over to Toyota. So keep that in mind when um, listening to this conversation. But uh, bottom line, they still think they have a lot of potential here for this season. They think they can go out and and win a race and definitely get into the playoffs. So um, I know Eric is really really good at Darlington. Darlington's coming up here next weekend, so that should be a great opportunity for him. And he's also great on super speedways. And there's still a few more of those remaining. So without further ado. Eric Jones and Dave Ellens step into the hot seat here on the Podium Finish Live. Um, you know, I, I just kind of want to start off by looking at last year. Obviously, you, you got that win at Darlington. Just how, how would you evaluate last season? I know maybe that win came a, a race later than you would have liked, but how, how would you uh, evaluate 2022 as a whole? Well, I think it probably overall, overall went better than any of us thought. You know, I, I think coming in with a new car and not knowing anything about it, it was kind of... Uh, an open-ended season right from the start and um, I thought we were just able to take good advantage of it you know going in and being able to get ahead kind of on the car right off the bat I felt like unloading in California early in the season and being quick was kind of a it was kind of an indicator for our whole year I felt like we kept that speed a lot of the season so um, you know built up to that win I felt like there was times through the season we had opportunities to win and didn't feel like that was necessarily a uh, you know, a one-off deal for us. Felt like we could have had a few more through the year had things played out differently. So, um, you know, hold that one in high regard. You know, I thought that was a good year for us, and um, you know, we want to. Uh, your expectations rise quick, right? The better you run each week, you kind of go from. Uh, you know, I would say the year before last, running top twenty was a good day for us, and the top ten was a win. And we went to all of a sudden, you know, not running top ten wasn't a wasn't a good day for us. So. Um, things change quick in that uh, in that sense so kind of your third year with the organization but also kind of the third different organization third different rebrand so uh have there any been been any challenges with, with kind of the, that lack of continuity or has things kind of been pretty similar for you from, from year to year here uh you know i think the last you know this last year to this year has been probably more similar than uh first to second year you know first to second year we moved shops um we gained a car um you know, changed ownership, and so there was a lot of stuff going on in, in that first and second season. But this year to uh, to last was a little bit less. We obviously had uh, a bit of an ownership change again with Jimmy coming in and some new some new faces and new places. But on the competition side of things, I thought things were um, there's a little more continuity from from last year to this year. So um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it, it hurt in any way, but definitely been some change over the last few. Uh, really, for, for both of you, with Jimmy coming in, just how, how beneficial has that been for, for the growth of the organization from, from this year to last? I've been talking, so. I, you know, I think the biggest thing is what it, what it means for the future. You know, he has a definite plan and what he wants to see uh, Legacy become. Um, and his passion for trying to get that done um, has been the biggest change for us. And um, it's kind of hard because you can't. You don't have all the items in place yet, so we hadn't seen you know, everything we're trying to do and everything he's trying to do yet. So there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that uh, should be good for us in the future and really, really going in 
end of this year, next year, hopefully we start seeing some of that stuff. What resources does, does he bring in as an owner? Uh, I mean, he just, he has an incredible amount of knowledge about racing. So I think, you know, for both the drivers we have, there's knowledge to them and experience that he can give them. And then, you know, he just he has connections all over. So um, it's just a different level of uh, uh, personalities around. And um, it's, it's kind of neat to see all the people that get excited about our program, you know, versus last year where we're kind of under the radar, you know, and people not really noticing us. You know, he brings a lot of attention to what we're doing. Now, Eric, having having Noah as a teammate, and Dave, I know you, you've also worked with Noah in the past on, on the Xfinity side, too. Just what's it been like kind of mentoring him? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think Noah is probably a lot more committed to um, being a better race car driver than, than what he lets on. So, you know, he's come in and, and, and wanted to learn and wanted to be better. I mean, it's, look, it's never easy when you come into your first season in Cup. I mean, every one of us has done it in the garage, but when you come in and you're trying to find your footing and you're with, uh, you know, a totally new organization and you're trying to learn that, it's uh, it's tough. And there's and there's a big schedule change with the Cup, the Cup Series, too. You know, you lose that extra day off during the week and, and you gain a few less off weekends during the season, so there's an adjustment um, with that that comes, too. But, you know, I think... I think Noah's done a good job. I mean, he's taken it in stride. Obviously, it's been a tough start, you know, for, for both of us, and that's not easy either for him. I mean, for me, I've, I've kind of rode the ups and downs of the Cup Series, and, you know, you don't uh, you don't ever want to struggle, but, you know, I, I feel like I've been through that before and, and can handle that um, a little bit easier than probably someone coming in right off the bat and having to deal with that. So I thought he's held the set up and done a good job, and, and you know, I think there's, there's good things to come for him. For you two working with each other, what, what's this experience been like this last year plus? Yeah, I mean, for me, working with, with Dave, I, you know, he's really only the third guy I've worked with at the cup level as a crew chief. So for me, um, I think, you know, Dave's brought to the table just the engineering side of things, right? And I think he's done a good job on that and just bringing uh, that role to, to our team and our group and giving direction to where we want to go and, and just kind of being – and been really being a good leader to the guys, right? Having a having someone in charge and showing us the way we need to go and what we need to do to get better. And, and really, I think within the organization, there's a lot of people that look on Dave as what the next move is and kind of what we need to be better at. So uh, I think that's happened pretty quickly and, and, and really done a good job with it. Thank you, Dave. What's yeah. been like working with him? Uh, I've really enjoyed it. You know, the start of last season, it was uh, – we, we had so much success right away. Like, it's kind of easy to get along right like everything was just kind of kind of flowing and we we had speed you know so in this season a couple times towards the end of last season where we didn't have the speed we wanted to um you know it's definitely been challenging and get to know each other better uh in those times and it, it's nice to have you know someone behind the wheel that like you don't have to worry about you don't have to worry about you know doing something silly or attitude like you know that's that's a a constant that we have that is always going to be good you know and it's not something that I have to focus my attention on and you know last year it was my first year in the cup series so um you know different drivers take a different level of maintenance and uh, that's not something I had to worry about so it was really good for me to be able to spend more time with the guys and the technical side of things to really really try to get faster race cars here now, you guys touched on it a little bit, but how, how would you evaluate the start of the season? I know maybe not some of the results you guys would have wanted, but uh, also how much of a, of a step in the right direction is Tal Dega last week, just coming home sixth? 
letter grades or like percentages? Uh, I, what have we got? <laughs> I, I rated uh, very poorly compared to my expectations of what we were supposed to do. Um, you know, I think we probably have the most pressure on ourselves and we, um, we are not doing what we want to be doing and what we're capable of doing and there's a lot of, a lot of room for improvement. A lot of different things we need to be better on, but it's just a matter of working hard to, to get those things back right. At, um, Talladega was good for us. You know, we've been strong on the speedway. Um, Daytona, you know, unfortunately we got collected. I don't even know who we ran into on this the side of the rack, basically. Um, but that kind of didn't didn't show what we had, so that was disappointing. Talladega was good to show that again. Atlanta was good for us. Um, so still excited that our speedway program is good. Need to continue working on that, but definitely these intermediates we need to get better. And short tracks, we got we got to start over on those. Yeah, I mean I think everybody's on the same page with that. Nobody's nobody just wanted to start the year like uh, like we have. Fortunately, we're you know ten races in at this point, and you know you look at the points we're not where we want to be but we're not far out of where we want to be a couple two three good weeks of getting on a good roll and a good run and doing what similar to what we did last year puts us pretty far back into where you know where we're looking to run so yeah, it's not from a lack of effort you know i think everybody's putting in effort um probably more way more than than anyone did last year so you know that's frustrating and it's hard to stay focused when that's going on and stay on the right track but uh you know, I think we'll get back to where we want to be. You know, you can't continue to have good people in the good places and, and continue to not have the results you want to have. So it's uh, it's not an easy road when you're off. You know, it's hard to find your way back sometimes, but uh, I think we got a good plan to do it. What have you learned about yourself and this team throughout these first 10 races? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we have, we have really a similar group to what we had last year. So, you know, everybody came in, I think, with pretty high expectations. Um, you know, as good as we ran last year and coming back to some tracks that we ran good at last year and, and really, um, you know, just coming up on a good stretch of tracks really starting last weekend and, and continuing through the end of this month is going to be a good, hopefully, stretch for us. A lot of good tracks for, for me and for the team, but, you know, I think everybody on this group, I tell people all the time, I guess, that, you know, looking at groups I've worked with in my past through Cup and Xfinity through trucks, late models, you know, all the way through the line, you know, this group of guys is one of, if not the best, probably group I've worked with, really. And, and guys, just as far as their knowledge of working on a team, working on the car, um, working in a group, you know, all of them have a lot of strengths and less weaknesses than they do strengths. So it's been fun to uh, fun to work with this group, really, the last three years now. And you mentioned the upcoming schedule, obviously Darlington coming up um, next week, uh, Kansas. Just uh, how important are these next two races just to kind of get things going back in the right direction? Yeah, I mean, I hope it starts this weekend. You know, Dover, this race last year was good for us um, both times around. And, you know, we we really need stage points. It's going to be a big thing for us. If we could just knock out a few stage points uh, over the next few weeks, obviously the finishes need to come with that too. But, um, you know, hopefully just kicking off here at Dover, Kansas, um, you know, I felt like we ran good there in the spring. In the fall, we struggled a bit. But, um, yeah, and then obviously Darlington, you know, Charlotte, those are going to be good places for us historically. So, yeah, hopefully we can just capitalize, like I said, earn a lot of points and, you know, take advantage of, of just still having a, a bit of a close gap in points. There's, there's room to quickly move yourself back up. And, uh, 
you know, that's going to go away in the next month or so. And, you know, you, you touched on the stage points. So really for both of you, how do you balance trying to get some of those points, getting those stage points, but also putting your guys, putting yourselves in, in a position to go out and get that win and lock, your, lock yourselves in? I mean, I, at this point for us, we get, we got to look at the stage points more. You know, it's so tough to get a win, you know, no matter what strategy you're going for. Like, it's not a, it's not a guaranteed guaranteed deal that you can go out and get a win with as good good as everybody is, as close as the field is right now. So if you can get some guaranteed stage points for us, we're gonna we're gonna take them if we get that opportunity. Um, just as long as it doesn't completely ruin your finish. There. Yeah, same thing. I mean, you know it's it, that, that's almost you know more on Dave, right? There's a lot of strategy calls throughout the day that, that end up putting yourself in position for stage points, putting yourself in position for finish, and you know you got to judge pretty quickly in that in that moment whether you have an opportunity to win that day or, or not, and and really if you don't, you got to take the stage points. You know, obviously the finishes look good on paper, uh, and you want to run well, and but you know taking a day where you can go finish sixth or seventh because you made a call not to take stage points isn't worth it at the end if you can go out and grab. You know, 15 stage points for a day. So, um, yeah, it's on him to balance. He's, <laughs> you know, I'm going to listen during the race what he wants to do, and um, you know, go from there. Really, just last thing, just just what are the goals and expectations for the rest of the season, and what do you think that the ceiling of this team could be? I think the ceiling's high, right? And I think there's a lot of things that are in the works that are going to, you know, probably grow that and, and bring it higher than what it is now. So, um, it's just going to take time. You know, unfortunately. The wheels turn slow on a lot of things in racing and performance and development, and it takes a long time to get those things in motion. But um, for this season, I think it's just optimizing what we have and taking the best advantage we can of it. And um, like I said, we got good people that are going to work and make stuff better and get it better and try to take the best advantage of what we got. And um, you know, we've been working hard to do that the last month now. So just want to kind of see the fruits of the labor come out, and you know, hopefully that's what we see over the next month. Yeah, I would. I mean, I would agree that. The ceiling's really high for what we can do. Um, you know, I don't see any reason you know, that we can't, you know, create something that's among among the best. It's just going to take time to get there. But for the rest of the season, I mean, we got to we got to get cars that are capable of running tenth again, and that's that's been our biggest challenge. We we don't have the speed in the cars to to be able really to race. Um, you know, so getting speed back in the cars is gonna is gonna force some of those finishes on us. So. I think, you know, if we can start running 10th through 15th a couple weeks, that's easier to work on to get to 5th than it is when you're 20th or 25th. So uh, just slight improvements over the next little bit, and hopefully we get back to that top 10 range. For sure. And that was driver Eric Jones and crew chief Dave Ellens of Legacy MC or Legacy Motor Club, the number 43 team. And our thanks, of course, to Eric, Dave, and Amy from Legacy MC for making that happen for Nathan. And of course, great job, Nathan, on that interview. I would say it was a little bit of a throwback to inside NASCAR with having a concurrent driver and crew chief interview. You don't get those these days a lot as a digital journalist. So super cool that you got to do a little bit of an old school type interview. So job well done again on that. And I hope the fans at home enjoyed that interview. Pretty interesting when things unfold the way they do, because a week ago, you know, we're just thinking they're, you know, a, a, a thriving Chevrolet team. And here we are knowing with the fact that they're going to be going to Toyota, which is honestly an exciting thing. And it's good to see some parody uh, in the NASCAR front and a little bit more of a shakeup with the status quo. So it should be cool. And 
the fact that you might see Jimmy Johnson racing in a Toyota next season, <laughs> that's a that's a sight to behold. And I suppose if you remember the fact that he drove a Honda in the IndyCar series in 2021 and 2022. But anyways, folks, it's almost time to wrap up this show. And that means next week is episode number 69. Nice. I do have to say that. Um, our guest will not be Rob Kronkowski, unfortunately. I wish we had those means to get him on because that would be very appropriate for the episode number. Um, I'm not going to make any jokes because I know my parents listen to this show. And uh, I know my mom, who listens to this show regularly, would probably be like, Rob, what are you doing? So I'm doing that. I'm just kidding, mom. But anyways, episode 69, we're going to be looking back at what happened at Kansas and look forward to a little bit of a time machine trip to Darlington Raceway with, of course, Throwback Weekend, the Goodyear 400, and seeing all of those wonderful vintage paint schemes that we should hopefully see with our photographers, um, Kevin Ritchie and, and Trish McCormick. And Nathan had the good pleasure to work with Trish earlier this year, so that will be fun to have her back at the racetrack. Uh, hopefully she doesn't burn herself out because trying to do four races in a row, I, I don't understand how anyone does that. It's uh, it's incredible, but kudos to her and good luck to Christopher again um, this weekend at Kansas. So before we wrap up, um, I don't really have any final thoughts I wanted to share, but other than the fact that this is my last week as a graduate to be because next weekend I am a graduate of graduate school. So that's going to be fun. Um, other than that, I am just looking forward to my next races and hopefully getting some interviews here too, because I know once Nathan's interviews are all set and good to go, we got to get some more interviews here on, on TPF Live. So don't worry, when we get to the 70s, we'll be rocking away with a guy born in the 80s. Yeah, that was a pretty bad dad joke, but it's Mother's Day month, so whatever, it's cool. Anyways, I know Nathan... You are looking forward to Kansas Raceway weekend and month of May is here. I mean, this is an exciting month for our outlet with the fact that, you know, we have our first Indianapolis 500 team, um, much less our first Indy Grand Prix team. So super cool. What are some storylines that you're looking forward to this weekend at Kansas? Yeah, for sure. Um, Going to be a little weird. No Xfinity this weekend. So I feel like that always kind of throws things off a little bit just because like, because Cup protects on Saturday morning, and then we have like Cup practices and qualifying is until Saturday afternoon. So I don't, I don't, for whatever reason, when that when Cup practice and qualifying is in the afternoon, that just throws me off a little bit. But, um, but yeah, a little bit of a condensed schedule at at, uh, at Kansas. So, um, will definitely be interesting to see what happens. Obviously, um, following the Chase Elliott storylines, uh, you know, seeing if he can go out and win and get himself into the playoffs. Um, hopefully there will be no penalties. There's been a lot of those this year. So hoping everybody will, um, not make poor decisions with that. Um, but yeah, those are, those are the main things, obviously, hopefully the truck race stays clean. I know that's kind of been a, a storyline this year. Those races have been otherwise pretty chaotic. Um, I think they start a stretch of the next races in each of the next five weeks as well. So we'll be getting a lot of the truckers here coming up, but um, it should be a fun weekend. You mentioned earlier, Kansas is one of the more underrated tracks, and I definitely agree. I think, in my opinion, it is the second best mile and a half we go to, only to Homestead Miami Speedway. I love that place. I think it puts on the best racing because um, it's like a giant dirt track, but 
not really, but it, it kind of races like that, just like racing up by the cushion. But you can kind of do that to a degree at Kansas too. So um, should be fun. I mean, the, the two Kansas races that we had earlier this or last year were, were both pretty good in terms of race quality. Um, so hoping for the same. But meanwhile, just working on my Dover stories. Um, I'm heading home from from St. Bonaventure here in a couple days, so I'll be back onto the uh, golf course maintenance grind. Uh, so yeah, the summer is always my favorite time of year. That means uh, more time at the racetrack, more time that I can focus on TPF. So should be a fun next four months. It sounds like you're just as busy as the truck series will be because, like you point out, pointed out rather, yes, five weeks in a row of the truck series this month, uh, and then of course in June. So super cool. So if you folks like the pick 'em up variety, you're in luck because from Kansas to Worldwide Technology Raceway and Gateway. Uh, you're going to see truck racing every weekend. So hold on to your hats, or as Samuel L. Jackson said in Jurassic Park, hold on to your boats. But it's going to be a fun, fun time. I- I'm just excited for our team with the fact that, you know, Indianapolis 500, um, as an editor-in-chief, and I'm sure for Nathan as a managing editor, it's a pretty nice uh, pip in our resumes to know that we're going to be leading a team or leading teams at one of the most prestigious races in all of the world. Um, Formula One, we're coming for you eventually, but we'll stick with the uh, NASCAR and IndyCar side for now. But yes, folks, I think it's time to wrap up episode 68 because we're going to get ready for episode 69 really soon. So with that, folks, let's wrap it up. So for Nathan Solomon, Eric Jones, and Dave Ellens, I'm your host, Rob T. Youngson, saying thank you so much for tuning in to TPF Live, the world's fastest hour of racing talk. If you want to catch our past episodes, you can check those out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. And tune into next week for episode 69. Nice. And uh, I'm sure we'll have some good, good stuff to talk about after Kansas and looking forward to Darlington. Won't reveal the guest quite yet, but I will just say it's going to be truly a good time ahead. So with that, I hope you folks stay safe and As always, let's go get the checkered flag. And until next time, so long, everyone.